good morning. We invite you to join us. If you'd like to, you can uh, open your hymnals to 220. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. In Welcome to all of you. Um, I'm just going to go through the announcements. And uh, if you're thinking that you might have an announcement, there will be an opportunity for you to put your hand up near the end. All right. Today, there's a reminder that there's a potluck and a bridal shower for Calvin and Calvin Kilpatrick and Sarah Harrison um, right after. On Wednesday at 2 o'clock, there's prayer meeting at the church, and at 6.30, there's Kids Connect. On Thursday, there will be Mums and Tots at 10 o'clock. 
and um, next Sunday, Sunday school at 9.45 and 10.45, the worship service. And just a note for next Sunday, Wayne Unra will be uh, leading the music part of the worship service. And going on to January 30th, so not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, at 7 o'clock, there is a congregational meeting. Take note of that, 7 o'clock, not 7.30, I guess. Um, and then a couple items for volunteering is volunteers are needed for Valley View sledding on February 9th to 11th and March 15th to 17th. And you can talk to Dawson about that. And also there is a sign-up sheet at the back for Missions Fest on Saturday, February 3rd. And you can talk to Dawson if you'd like to volunteer as a driver. Um, and also, you should sign up if you want to go. Um, and February 24th, there's a baby shower being planned for Nicole Martins at the church. And if you are interested in a membership class, please talk to Pastor Russell. Does anyone have any other announcements? Okay, uh, Diana has an announcement. Good morning, sorry. Um, as your new C or old, whatever, CLF, um, I have heard some rumors that people wanted prayer partners again. And so we will be organizing those. And this time it is for men and for women. So they are prayer partners. If you want to be prayer sisters or prayer brothers, I, I don't care. Um, you can sign up on a paper in the back, or if you are reading the email from Pastor Russell, there is a link in there that you can just click on and sign up online, and I will get that. And so we will leave that on the table for a few weeks, and then we will organize prayer partners. So please sign up if you are interested in that. And all we want is for you to pray for each other. Whether you want to do coffee every day or twice a week or, or nothing at all, doesn't matter. Pray for each other. That's all. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Diana. So remember, if you have any questions, she's the one heading that up. So make sure you talk to her about that. Okay. I'm going to invite Dawson up now. Yeah, I'd uh, just like to introduce a short little video that I'm going to show here in a bit. Uh, it's from Travis and Rosie. So if you remember, we were doing a little bit of a fundraiser for covering the cost to send kids to camp. Um, that includes like the cost at camp and the transportation to get them there. Because camp, basically, no matter how much it costs, it's pretty unaffordable for any family there. So um, they sent a little video to kind of show what camp looks like and kind of talk about it a bit. Um, in their little update they sent to me, they said uh, December and January, so far, so this was um, after the first week of January, so there's still be three weeks left at that point. There have been 40 kids already that were sent to camp, um, and they still had five more camps to go, and also they were gonna be doing a marriage camp, which is a first time thing for them. Um, yeah, they shared it's tiring, but it's been really, really good. So, yeah, thanks for everyone who kind of helped out with that fundraiser, and here is a short little video. Hi, we're Travis and Rosie Zacharias for Missionaries in Paraguay. Our main focus is church planting, 
but in the summers we also help with the summer Bible camps. In the church plant that we're working in, we're looking, we're working with a lot of people that don't have a lot of economic resources, and the the Bible camp, the the charge that they have, which they charge about thirty dollars per camper, and it, it there's no way that anybody could um, could pay that. But the actual cost that it costs the camp is about sixty dollars per camper, and so they're already giving it a half price. But like, the people where we're working at, they couldn't afford that. And so we've asked for the scholarship from Canada so that we can help our kids go to camp. For our kids to go to camp is the joy of the year. They wait all year long. They're asking me constantly, what day am I going to go to camp? How's camp going to be this year? And it's, it's such a wonderful time. And it's an opportunity for us to minister to them, to teach them about God um, in, in an intense way. We do at church. We, we do, we are, we're always sharing. We're always doing Sunday school and and um, talking to the children but to bring them to camp is is a unique experience and it's really impactful in their spiritual life this year we've given you the opportunity to support the kids financially we're asking for 93 dollars which is the cost to send the kid to camp that, that includes the full cost of the camp as well as the transportation to get them here it's about 100 kilometers and so without that it would be really next to impossible to get kids to come. This year we've taken 15 kids to camp in December, mm -hmm. uh, to kids camp, and now in January we're doing adolescent camps, teen camps, we're taking about 22 kids to adolescent camps, and after that we have teens camp and then young adults camp as well. And this year for the first time we're doing a marriage camp as well. And so your donations help um, so many people come mm -hmm. to camp, and we're expecting between 800 to 1,000 campers at camp this summer. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it, and God bless you. Ever since I was a kid, I, like, so enjoyed, do you remember, like, the slideshows the missionaries would bring? Like, this is always so good to see visually. All right, let's pray and invite God. Uh, thank you, God, you're here, and we invite you here. Um, in all the parts of the worship, um, draw us to you and give us unity with each other as well. <clears throat> and... Um, just pray for the work that you are doing in Paraguay right now. Um, thank you that we could see Travis and Rosie and uh, the things that are happening at camp. Um, I pray even in this day that they would know your strength and your peace and uh, your word would continue to grow there. Amen. So the scripture this morning um, for opening is Psalm 84. And we happen to actually have a song that goes with it. So I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're just going to carry on into singing um, Better is One Day. So Psalm 84. <clears throat> I'm just going to ask you to turn the lights back on in this area, Henry. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs, 
The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you.
get you to stand. This song has been around for a bit. Um, if you have been in kids' clubs um, in years gone by or in youth groups or youth leaders, um, it will be familiar to you. Um, or maybe you've heard your those of you who are older that weren't a part of those, maybe you heard your kids sing them. So um, there's always little parentheses, so those are kind of the echoes. Um, if you're not sure where you're at, just enjoy the song. <laughs> um, it's a worship to God. to page 172. <clears throat> Tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart every word. Tell me the story Thank you. 
you stay standing and we'll just pray for the offering. God, I thank you that you are the giver of all. Um, in everything that we think we hold, um, it's yours. And uh, as we give to you, uh, I pray you would use that to honor you and give glory to you and draw people to you. Give us um, generosity in, in the gifts we give, the, the time, the finances. Um, we just give that all to you. Amen. We'll let the worship team sit down and give you an opportunity to, yeah, you can sit down too, sorry. Um, turn to Luke 2 in your Bibles. Uh, I will be reading out of the New International Version. Luke 2 and reading from 22 to 40. Jesus presented in the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul also. There was also a prophet Anna, daughter of Penuel, in the tribe of Asher, she was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She had never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about that child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. The word of the Lord. This great God who has planned all these amazing things through history is still at work and invites us to bring our concerns and joys to him. And he continues to work towards a glorious future. So let's uh, pray together as we are right here, right now. Sovereign God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are right here with us, that you know our hearts, our minds, you know our needs and our joys. 
And we, we come to you directly now in our, in our prayer time. And we thank you for your word, what has been spoken and read and sung already this morning, and the way that you bring things to our minds that we need to hear and to our hearts. We pray now for those who are on our hearts, those who are sick or injured or recovering from surgery, and we pray for healing. And we thank you for the healing that has been going on. We think of Zarel. We're grateful that Daryl is back in Portage. Thank you that Evelyn is back home and Dorothy too. Pray for Elvira and the transitions that are ahead of her and for those who are helping her make those transitions. I also pray for Tyler for the biopsy Monday that it will show results that mean that they can go ahead with the transplant. And we pray for others that we are thinking of now. We also pray for those who are grieving. Think of John, Henry, and in the community, Doreen, and others that we know of. Reassure them of your presence and your good plans, even as they remember and are sad at their loss. And we also ask for your intervention in this world that you've given us to manage. We pray for those who are in leadership at every level, those who are political leaders responsible for planning for the good of their own nations, but also not taking away the rights of other nations. So we pray for those who are negotiating peace, that there'd be an end to war. We pray for all those who suffer because of that. And we pray for your church. We are here as agents of reconciliation. And so we pray for all of the leadership of the church here in our own congregation, Pastor Russell, the ministerial, the board. Pray for the leadership of other local churches that we would be in unity in you. We pray for the national staff of our conference office. And we pray for your people all around the world, faithfully living peacefully and preaching the gospel in one way or another. And so we pray for the success of your gospel, that Travis and Rosie and the others in Paraguay would keep on living and preaching it, and all of us in our own circles of influence. And I personally pray for a closer walk with you to trust and obey, 
to be in union with you. And thank you for the authority that you've given us, the, the power in the spiritual realms against those things that come against us and against you and your work. So where the evil one brings death, I declare God's river of life. Where the evil one brings hate, I declare the fire love of God. And where the evil one brings disintegration, destruction, desolation, and despair, I declare the creation glory of God. And we pray your blessing on Russell as he shares your word with us this morning. Thank you, God. Amen. Children's church time. Yep, you were just waiting for the release. You can go now. And God bless you there. Good morning. There we go. It's good to see you all. Here we are once again in the season of, as you can see back there, Epiphany. The season where we praise God that he is reaching out to all people and not just his chosen, not just, just us, you know. And today's passage that we are looking at as we look at Epiphany, uh, as you heard read before, is Luke 2, verses 22 to 40. Luke 2, verses 22 to 40. It's a passage that we usually don't think of as part of this period of time. We usually, we cover it when we look at the Christmas season. But for a number of reasons, I think it actually fits a lot better here because we're going to see them in just a little bit. But it has a lot to say about how God has been reaching out to all the people of the world. And it also has a lot to say about what it is that we as the church should be doing going forward as well. So Luke 2, verses 22 to 40, if you have your Bibles on you. And we begin, first off, by noting this absolutely amazing picture of Anna and Simeon right there. You see Mary, she's in green there, she's praying with all that she can. I think that it's supposed to be because it's Mary, and Mary prays a lot. I personally, as a parent, think it has more to do with how haphazardly Simeon is holding the God of all creation. There's like a half hand on there. The halo is just the baby. Ah, whatever the case is. We are talking about Anna and Simeon. And it begins like this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, that is Jesus, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. We're not going to dwell too much 
upon what it is that you all needed to do to consecrate a firstborn. That is a whole long section of the Bible. If you have your Bible on you, there is going to be a footnote that points you exactly where you need to go in Deuteronomy and Leviticus to look that all up yourself. But Luke does go out of his way, either here or in other passages, to really point out that Jesus is Jewish, and he is raised in such a way that it is everything that needs to happen in order to be the ideal candidate. That is what Jesus is. He is raised according to how it is proclaimed in the law to be raised. Luke wants us to know that about who Jesus is, that straight from the beginning he is made to be the ideal child of God. All of the different laws that are in place, he follows them with his family and then follows them by himself. That is something that Luke wants us to know. And from there, we will actually continue on. Uh, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God and said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have been your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations that alight for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, there we meet Simeon. And we don't know very much about him. It doesn't actually say what it is that Simeon does. Tradition holds that he's a priest of some sort. After all, he just takes a random family's baby when he is in the temple. And so there has to be some reason that is on the up and up. So that's what tradition would say. But all that we're actually told here is that he is righteous and he is devout. And you can actually tell a whole lot about that. Because all throughout the Old Testament, whenever a group of people or a person is said to be righteous and devout, what that is shorthand for saying that this is a person that is living exactly how they are supposed to be living. When one of the chosen of God is said to be righteous and devout, he is somebody or she is somebody that is, again, the ideal. This is how the chosen are supposed to be living. And so what we can take from that is that Simeon is somebody that is, again, that ideal. He is the representative of how things are supposed to be. We also can tell that he's a bit Older, he's on in years, something that we will talk about in just a little bit, and the Holy Spirit is on him. 
Often when we think of the Holy Spirit being on God's people, we think of after Pentecost when he comes upon each and every one of us, all believers at that moment and right to this day when we accept our Lord and Savior into our hearts, how the Spirit comes onto us. That's how we think about the Spirit. But the Spirit is busy at work throughout all of the Old Testament. He just shows up in a bit of a different situation. Whenever there is a point where the story needs to be moved forward, where God needs to be seen at work in his people, that's when the Spirit tends to show up in the Old Testament. So you get in distinct situations with distinct people at distinct times, but the Spirit is always at work, and he is at work in Simeon. Simeon being here to see Jesus in some way, shape, or form, that is moving that story of God at work, showing himself through his people, to moving that story forward. And we see exactly why that is a big deal when he takes Jesus and he announces that this is the glory, sorry, this is the revelation to the Gentiles, the light to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. This is the Messiah that I have been waiting for. That is what Simeon is telling us. Jesus Christ is the Messiah that is long awaited, is the one who is the light for all. And then the passage continues, and we meet the next person. And there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is Anna. And where Simeon was just said to be upright, devout, devout, and Anna is a straight-up prophet. And that is about as big a deal as you get. That means that Anna was somebody that spoke on behalf of God. Anna was somebody that in all that she did pointed people back toward God. Anna is an important person at that time. And also, on top of that, she's from the tribe of Asher, which is a bit of an odd thing. We haven't talked terribly much about the lost tribes of Israel. In the story of Assyria, they kind of come into that. They're the people that got kicked out of Israel and then handed off to all of the different nations made to go to different parts of the world. There was 10 of them. Asher is one of them. And so here we have Anna of a tribe that has lost the ages, but somehow she is right there. And she also, when she sees Jesus Christ, is just, this is the Messiah, the redemption of Jerusalem. And also, it says that she is older. That is something to note because we live in a different time now. What it means to be older now as compared to back then is a very different thing. Back then, if you were on in your years, particularly if you were in your 80s, if you were, well, every additional year you put on to that, the bigger of a deal that is because that was what the people that were revered. And we, we talk about how we revere our seniors today, but we live in a society that idolizes, in a way, youth. 
And that is a really unfortunate thing because that means you idolize something that I can tell you, as can many here, passes you by way, way too quickly and then you just spend the rest of your life not being what the rest of society is. That's terrible. But back then, every day you added on, that was a day, a badge of wonder, something that caused you to be among the top of all of your people, and that is what Anna is, and that is what Simeon is. These are people, again, who are just representatives of their people in all of the way, and she also declares Jesus to be her Savior. And the passage ends, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And there we see, really, the end of the story of Jesus' youth. But more what we see even is, is that this child that is living exactly as is meant to be living, this child anointed by these representatives of their people to be the Messiah that everyone has waited, he then grows up to be exactly what they waited for. And that is Luke 2, 22 to 40. Now, as I said before, that's a passage that we often talk about at Christmas, but really fits in here a lot better, fits in the season of Epiphany, the season where we thank God that he has come for all people and not just his own. And I say that it fits in here a lot better for that because of what it is that Luke is trying to do in this passage. And what it is is there's kind of this capstone that Luke is trying to say, this handing off, this culmination of a much bigger story. That is what we find in this passage right here. Often when we think of the Old Testament, we don't really think of it in terms of what its big story is, right? When we go to the Old Testament, we go to individual things here and there, and we reflect on those and we find them interesting. We do the same thing we've done in Sunday school all our lives. We think, isn't it interesting, that story of the flood, and then we talk only about the flood. Or isn't it interesting, that story of King David, and we talk only about King David. And the problem with doing that isn't that the stories aren't great. They're wonderful. But the problem with doing that is you miss the big picture, and there is a big picture of what God is doing that you see in the Old Testament. It is a big picture of when God is reaching out to his people, sorry, reaching out to all people through his chosen. That's the story that you get in the Old Testament. Story that starts in the beginning of all things with creation itself. It's a story that after that, there is sin that comes into it because of terrible choices. And it's a story that even after that, where you figure God would just destroy the whole thing and start again, we see that in fact, he loves his creation so much that he is going to do everything that he can to make it right. And it's a story where we see that the way that he is going to do that is he is going to have 
of relationship with people. He's going to have a relationship with a particular family, and he's going to work through them, through the generations and the generations, so that when people look at that family, when people look at the nation that will come from them, we will see who God is. And that is exactly what happens. As the chosen people go into slavery, then they are saved. We see a little bit more about who God is. As the people then go into the promised land and then are saved from time and time and time again as God directly rules over them, we see more of who God is. And then after that, when the kings come in and the prophets start being the main way that God talks to all of the different people, we see more of who God is. When they then go into exile and then are saved from it, something that has never happened before in all of the stuff that we have and all of the recordings we have, we see more of who God is. And as every story goes on and we see the chosen people live their life going through these different steps throughout the Old Testament, we see more and more of the big picture of who God is by looking at his people and seeing how God works in the world through them. That is what the Old Testament is. It is the story of the chosen people through whom we can see our God clearly, or mostly clearly. It's a little fuzzy by the time we get to the end of it. After all, he is God. That's a bit beyond most of our comprehensions, I would think. But where we end the story is at a point where we have such a clear picture that it's almost there, such a clear picture of who God is and what he is trying to do, reaching out to the world to set things up that you can taste it. It is so close, but it's just not fully there and then a child is born. And then Jesus Christ comes. In our passage today, what we see in many ways is taking that story and making the culmination of it. If what the story of the Old Testament is, is learning who God is by following the chosen people by looking at them, at looking at the way that they have lived with the God, the way that they have revealed God, if that's what the Old Testament is, then in Jesus Christ what we get is the Old Testament fully realized. Because in Jesus Christ, what do we have? In Jesus Christ, we have God who, as we've seen in our passage today, is acclaimed by representatives in every way, shape, and form of the chosen people saying that this man, Jesus Christ, is the Messiah. This man, Jesus Christ, is God. By looking at this child of God, Jesus Christ, you see who God is fully. So in Jesus Christ, you see the story of the Old Testament finally, finally 
finally fulfilled. That's what this passage is all about. What this passage is all about is pointing to Jesus Christ and saying, now after all these countless generations, you can see through the chosen people of God, you can see God clearly, for the Messiah has come. Now he is about to reach out to all the world, be the light to all of the nations, the Gentiles, to be the glory of Israel, to be the Messiah. Now, though the Old Testament has met its culmination, now now the story of God reaching out to save all things can truly, truly get going in a big way. That is why this passage is important. Because in this passage, we see that the way that God has been reaching out to all people throughout all of those years, all of those generations, it has been working towards something. And now, now the whole world is going to see who our God is. And this is an important passage for us here in the church today, here as Christians, because I think we often just kind of look at the Old Testament and like, that's the Old Testament. That, that, that part of the story is done. Not so much. When Jesus says that he's come to fulfill the law in Matthew chapter 5, it isn't that suddenly all of the Old Testament is just done and we don't have to care about it anymore. It's that he's the culmination of it, exactly as we see today. If you know the Old Testament, you have a bigger and brighter picture of who Jesus Christ is. More than that, we read in passages like Romans 8.15 that the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. But Jesus Christ, with our relationship that we have with him as Christians, we are adopted into that same family. We become part of the chosen people because with our relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in us, we are adopted into it. The story of God reaching out to all people through the chosen never ended. Just now we are a part of it. And thankfully, though, it did get a little easier when Jesus was born. Because now by looking at him, we can see fully who God is. We can point to him and be like, well, that's who our Lord God Father is. It also got easier in another way as well. In that we saw today that when the Holy Spirit is on people... He gives them everything that they need in order to reach out, everything they need in order to move that story of God reaching out further. And now, with God in every last one of us, the Holy Spirit in every last one of us, doing what needs to be done to point the way to Jesus Christ, well, it has never been easier to do exactly that. It's never been easier to point the way to Jesus Christ. 
because it isn't actually us pointing the way to Jesus Christ at all. I mean, sure, we're the conduits of the whole thing, but it's the Holy Spirit that introduces. It's the Holy Spirit that paves the way. It's the Holy Spirit in us is the reason why people can have a relationship with Jesus Christ in the first place. If the Holy Spirit was not working through us, then Jesus would be nothing more than words on the page. But that he works through us, that he paves that way, we can know that all of the world can have a relationship with our God. Last week, I had a wonderful quote by Karl Barth. God is free to work through communism in a dead dog. I love that quote. The takeaway of it being that even things we think that are incapable of getting what God has to say across, even things that we think that are incapable of relaying what God is trying to do, God can work through them just fine. After all, he's God. God can do anything. And that works here too because If God is free to work and talk through anything that he will, then with the Holy Spirit in us, that means that he's free to talk through you and talk through me as well. That is a hard thing for us to recognize. That is a hard thing for us to internalize. Often we get so very concerned when it comes to sharing our faith when it comes to building the kingdom, when it comes to inviting people to church, when it comes to just speaking openly that this is what I believe, when it comes to doing things that might go against culture because that is what we are called to do, when it comes to sharing of our finances, of our time with those that the rest of the world would write off as insignificant or nothing, we get afraid. We figure that we might do it wrong. We figure that this is scary. But the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is working through you. You don't need to worry so much of if you will do something wrong because it's the Holy Spirit that's doing all of the heavy lifting. We're just kind of along for the ride doesn't mean that we don't need to work alongside. It doesn't mean that we don't need to do our part, but it does mean that at the end of all things, God's will is going to be done. Whether we're afraid or don't think we're up to the job or not. So take heart. So take heart. Our passage today is one that really belongs in the season of Epiphany. Our passage today is one that says so very much about how God is reaching out to all people. Our passage today is one that shows us very clearly who our God is and what we are going and what we should be doing in response. Because in our passage today, we see that God has been hard at work reaching out to the whole world, not just for a little bit of time, but straight from the beginning. And in our passage today, we see that we are a part of that story too. 
that we have joined in to the chosen people through our relationship in God. And now it's our turn to build the kingdom. Now it's our turn to point the way to Jesus Christ. Now it's our turn to do what it is that we need to do to get the word out of who our Lord is. And thankfully, with the spirit of us, sorry, the spirit in us, well, it's a lot easier of a job than we think. So I leave you with this. How is the spirit leading you today? There are many different ways that we build the kingdom of God, many different ways that we share to the world who Jesus Christ is. Is there somebody that you have been meaning to talk about your faith with? Well, the Spirit will help you. Is there somebody that you just need to buy coffee for because they're going through a bad time? Well, the Spirit will help you. Are there places in our town around us that need to be built up? Because that is also what we are called to do. For God loves his world. It might seem hard, but the Spirit will help you. And so I ask you, how is the Spirit leading you to show the world who Christ is today? Amen.
be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And today for our benediction, we turn to 1 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love to you all in Jesus Christ. Amen. Go now and serve our wonderful God. The Lord.